Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Storytime Madness. Today we're back reading A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. So, if you remember rightly last time, we introduced a brand new exciting prospect for our podcast. We revealed the Mystery Word Challenge, which takes place at the beginning of every episode. Now this, uh, at the moment, is exclusively for the Christmas festive season. So, all the words that you will hear during this uh, festive season, right up until just after Christmas Day, will be Christmas-related words. As I said, the words will get harder and harder and harder, um, but we don't think it will be too much of a challenge for our listeners. So, let's dive right in. Okay, so I'm sure you're all dying to know what the word is for today. So, a little announcement before we do it. Um, If you know the answer, please either send us a voice message uh, via the link available in the episode description. Or go to our Instagram page, which is all lowercase, uh, Let's Talk Podcast 2023, all joined together. Um, and if you go onto there, you will find all of our posts. You'll know it's us. Um, and we will reveal the answer on there. So, this word is longer than the last word, but I'm sure uh, you'll find it quite easy. Um, so, make sure you share this with your friends and family and loved ones um, and see if they can guess it. If you can't guess it, then maybe they can. So, the word is eight letters long, and the only letter I'm going to tell you is the third letter in, which is I. Okay? That's all I'm going to tell you, that the third letter in is I. So, it's eight letters long, remember? If you know the answer, go across to our Instagram page, search, uh, it's all in lowercase, Let's Talk Podcast 2023, and on there you will find the answer. Of course, as usual, we will reveal the answer at the end of the episode, but if you don't feel like you can wait till the end of the episode to find out, then uh, listen to our episode, and then you can go and find out on our Instagram page. So, without further ado, we're going to read from pages 45 to 50 of Stay 3 of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Awakening in the middle of the night of a a particularly tough snore and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge had no occasion to be told that the bell was again upon the stroke of one. He felt 
that he was restored to consciousness in the right nick of time for the special purpose of holding a conference with the second messenger dispatched to him through Jacob Marley's intervention. But finding that he turned uncomfortably cold when he began to wonder which, his, which of his curtains this new spectre would draw back, he put them every one aside with his own hands and lying down again established a sharp look around the bed for he wished to challenge the spirit on the moment of its appearance and did not wish to be taken by surprise and made nervous gentlemen of the free and easy sort who plume themselves on being acquainted with a move or two and being usually equal to the time of day express the wide range of their capacity for adventure by observing that they are good for anything for pitch and toss to manslaughter between which opposite extremes no doubt there lies a tolerably tolerably wide and comprehensive range of subjects without venturing for scrooge quite as hardly as this i don't mind calling on you to believe that he was ready for a good broad field of strange appearances and that nothing between a baby and rhinoceroses would have astonished him very much now being prepared for almost anything he was not by any means prepared for nothing and conscious and consequently when the bell struck one and no shape appeared he was taken with a violent fit of trembling Five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. All this time he lay upon his bed, the very core and centre of a blaze of ruddy light, which streamed upon it when the clock proclaimed the hour, and which, being only light, was more alarming than a dozen ghosts, as he was powerless to make out what it meant, or what be at and was sometimes apprehensive that he might be at that very moment an interesting case, a spontaneous combustion without having the cons consolation of knowing it. At last, however, he began to think, as you or I would have thought at first, for it is always the person not in the predicament who knows what ought to have been done in it and would have questionably have done it too. At last, I say, he began to think that the source and secret of this ghostly light might be in the adjoining room. From hence, on further tracing it, seemed to shine. This idea taking full possession of his mind, he got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called, him by his name and bade him to enter he obeyed it was his own room there was no doubt about that but it had undergone a surprising transformation the walls and ceiling were so were hung with living green that it looked like a perfect grove from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened the crisp leaves of holly mistletoe and ivy reflected back the light as if so many little mirrors had been scattered there, and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney, as that dull petrifaction of a hearth. 
he had ever known in Scrooge's time or Marley's, or for many and many a winter season gone, heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne where turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, immense twelfth cakes, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door. Come in, exclaimed the ghost. Come in and you may know me better, man. Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before the spirit. He went, he was not the dodge Scrooge he had been and thought the spirit's eyes were clear and kind. He did not like to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas present, said the spirit. Look upon me, Scrooge reverently did so. It was clothed in one simple green robe or mantle bordered with white fur. This garment hung so loosely on its figure that its capacious breast was bare, as if disdaining to be worn or concealed by any artifice. Its feet, observably, beneath the ample folds of the garment, were also bare, and on its head were no other covering than a holly wreath, sat here and there were shining icicles. Its dark brown curls were long and free, free as its gen genteel face, its sparkling eye, its open hand, its cheery voice. It unconstrained demeanour and its joyful air. Girted round its middle was an antique scabbard, but no sword was in it, and the ancient sheath was eaten up with rust. You have never seen the like of me before, exclaimed the spirit. Never, Scrooge made answer for it. Have you walked forth with the young members of my family? Meaning, for I am very young, my elder brothers born in these later years, pursued the phantom. I don't think I have, said Scrooge. I'm afraid not. How many brothers have you, spirit? More than 1800, said the ghost. A tremendous assembly to provide for, muttered Scrooge. The ghost of Christmas present rose. Spirit, said Scrooge submissively, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion and learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you ought to teach me, let me profit by it. 
touch my robe. Scrooge did as he was told and held it fast. Holly, mistletoe, red berries, ivy, turkeys, geese, game, poultry, prawn, uh, brawn, meat, pigs, sausages, oysters, pies, puddings, fruit, and punch all vanished instantly. So did the room, the fire, the ruddy glow, the hour of the night. And there stood in the city streets on Christmas morning, where, for the weather was fear, the people made a rough but brisk and unpleasant kind of music in scraping the snow from their pavement in front of their dwellings and from the tops of their houses. Hence it was mad delight to the boys to see it come plumping down into the road below and splitting into artificial little snowstorms. The house fronts looked black enough and the windows blacker, contrasting with the smooth white sheet of snow upon the roofs and with the dirtier snow upon the ground, which last deposit had been ploughed up in deep furrows by the heavy wheels of carts and wagons, furrows that crossed and recrossed each other hundreds of times where the great street branched off and made intricate channels hard to trace in the thick yellow mud and icy water the sky was gloomy and the shortest streets were choked up with a dingy mist half thought half frozen whose heavier particles descended in a shower of sooty atoms as if all the chimneys in great britain had by one consent caught fire and were blazing away to their dear hearts content there was nothing very cheerful in the climate or the town, and yet there was an air of cheerfulness abroad that the clearest summer air and brightest summer sun might have endeavoured to diffuse in vain. For people who were shoveling away on their housetops were jovial and full of glee, calling out to one another from the parapets and now and then exchanging a a facious snowball, better-natured missed, missile, far the many a wordy jest, laughing heartily, as if it went right, and not less heartily if it went wrong. The poulterer's shop was still half open, and the fruiterers were radiant in their glory. They were great round pot bellied baskets of chestnuts shaped like the wing waistcoats of jolly old men lolling at the doors and tumbling out in the street in their apoplectic opulence. They were ruddy, brown-faced, brown-girthed Spanish onions shining in the fatness of their growth like Spanish frayers, and winked from their shells in wainton slyness at the girls as they went by, and glanced demurely at the hung-up mistletoe. There were pears and apples clustered high in blooming pyramids. There were bunches of grapes made in the shopkeeper's beneficence. To dangle from some conspicuous hooks that people's mouths might water gratis 
as they passed. There were piles of filberts, mossy and brown, recalling in their fragrance ancient walks among the woods and pleasant shufflings ankle-deep through withered leaves. There were Norfolk biffins, squat and swarthy, setting off the yellow of the oranges and lemons, and in the great compactness of their juicy persons, urgently entreating and beseeching to be carried home in paper bags and eaten after dinner. The very cold and silver fish set forth amongst these choice fruits in a bowl, their members of a dull and stagnant blooded race appeared to know that there was something going on, and to a fish went gasping round and round their little world in a slow and passionless excitement. The grocers! The grocers! Nearly closed. But perhaps two shutters down, or one, but through those gaps such glimpses, it was not along that the scales descending on the counter made a merry sound, or that the twine and roller parted company so briskly, or that canisters were rattled up and down like juggling tricks, or even that the blended scents of tea and coffee were so grateful to the nose, or even that the raisins were so plentiful and rare, the almonds were so extremely white, the six of the stick of cinnamon so long and straight, the other spices so delicious, the candied fruits so caked and spotted with malted molten sugar as to make the coldest lookers-on feel faint and subsequently bilious. Nor was it that the figs were moist and plumpy, or that the French plums blushed in modest tartness from their highly decorated boxes, or that everything was good to eat and its Christmas dress, but the customers were all so hurried and so eager in the hopeful promise of the day that they tumbled up against each, each other at the door, crashing their whisker ba wicker baskets widely, and left their purchases upon the counter, and came running back to fetch them, and committed hundreds of like mistakes in the best humour possible, while the grocer and his people were so frank and fresh that the polished hearts with which they fastened their aprons behind might have been their own, worn outside for general inspection and for Christmas doors to peck at if they chose. Thank you for listening to this episode of Storytime Madness. That is pages 45 to 50 of A Christmas Carol. Now, to those viewers who may have uh, not listened to the full episode and just tried to get to the uh, answer at the end, that's okay too. Uh, and to those who have listened all the way through, um, we, we will reveal the answer now. So, the we gave you a clue, which was that the word was eight letters long. The third letter was I, and it's something to do with Christmas. So that was your clue. Uh, and to those of you who have heard, uh, or maybe you've been on Instagram, and you've seen the answer on there, and to those who haven't, the answer 
is reindeer. R e i n d e e r, reindeer. Eight letters long. So hopefully you got that right. Don't worry if you didn't. This one was a little more tricky than the last one, and only giving you one letter is very cheeky. And we may, I say may, uh, give you some more letters eventually. So thank you to all our listeners. We wanted to give a quick shout out, and we hope it's okay. We wanted to give a quick shout out to our listeners in the United States, in particular our ones from Chicago. So, if that's you, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Also, a massive thank you to our UK viewers. You don't know how much all of you, wherever you are in the world, mean to us. Please make sure you share this episode and all our other episodes, our entire podcast, in fact, with your friends and family. Um, and we hope you have a lovely evening, and we'll be back to read you another story very soon. Bye bye.